know Julie Barrows. <laughs> oh, he looked like. What is it like? Who's the guy I'm trying to think of on Star Wars? Obi Wan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Julie, what we've been observing is if, if companies are stifled by, uh, for whatever reason, it could be politics, it could be just, you know, you know clinging to, da to data, but if they're stifled with data silos um, and, and, and the ability to get those data silos into a data warehouse just takes way too long, or if you're trying to do um, several kinds of use cases that have, when I ask my question, um, my analytic question, I, I wanna see the real data from the operational system in real time mode, then this is a product you people need to be paying attention to, Julie. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And I think, you know, the thing about it is, is we now have enough compute power where data federation is definitely a, a solution. And I like to quote um, my friend and colleague and a senior manager um, for Optum. And she said, you know, now that I've seen Starburst, I never want to build a data warehouse again. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> and I, so, um, which by the way, is one of your clients, right? Optum is. So yeah, this is one another aha moment we had with Starburst and we're um, happy to be one of their MSP partners. So, you know, if you like what you see today, you can definitely come into our labs and try it out. But um, we're enjoying working with the team if you are a ThoughtSpot group out there, I will tell you that Starburst and ThoughtSpot are 2022 focused very heavily on one another mm -hmm. integration, um, you know, ha helping enable customers. It's lightning speed to use ThoughtSpot. Yep. So it's a great solution and Ben's a great person. So we're honored to have him today. So they left yep. you to do both portions, introduce mm -hmm. the company and do the demo, huh? You're one yep. of those types. Yeah, yep. just to reinforce that Starburst ThoughtSpot uh, partnership, we just finished supporting ThoughtSpot in a POV where we use Starburst to bring data together across two clouds, two um, Snowflake databases and two Postgres databases and serve the, the, the data model up to um, ThoughtSpot in real time. Pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, pretty cool stuff. Obi wants it. Very cool. <laughs> All right. So everybody. Chris wants to know if your head's cold. <laughs> it's getting a little warm now. Um, <laughs> that's his, I don't know if you're wrong, Chris, but that's his Starburst hoodie. Yep. There we go. So everybody, I would like to introduce you to Ben Lumbert. Uh, Ben's the partner solutions architect with uh, Data uh, Star, Starburst. Oh my gosh, got Data Robot out of my head. Ben, welcome, sir. Thank you for joining us. Yes, absolutely. Hey. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and Ben, we're going to go off friend. camera so people focus on your cute mug. Yep. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh-oh. All right. All right, well, that works. Thank you very All much right, for the sir. intro. I appreciate it. You're welcome. All right. So uh, thank you everyone uh, for taking the time today to listen to uh, me chat to you a little bit more about Starburst Data and all the wonderful things we're doing over here. And hopefully over the next uh, 45 minutes or so, you'll start to, to actually um, visualize how we are the analytics engine for your distributed data. Uh, especially if that means you have a distributed data uh, mesh architecture going on. So we'll go ahead and dive right in. Uh, before I get on to what we actually do and some of the challenges that we're trying to address for our customers, I first want to give you a little bit of background on who we are. So in case you are not familiar with it, uh, there is an open source project out there called Trino, which was uh, formerly referred to as Presto SQL. What Trino is, is it's uh, ANSI SQL MPP 
query engine that provides high performance or very fast performance against large scales of data and highly concurrent user populations. So it's a distributed application that allows you to separate your compute from storage. So you don't have to scale both up together, which as we all know, can often get expensive if you're trying to get more horsepower, but you don't need all that storage. Uh, that can often really increase your, your, your spend bills. So uh, since the compute is separated from the storage, you can scale that uh, compute up as you need to address any uh, spikes in demand or any increase in workload as your uh, ecosystems evolve. Now, since uh, we are able to support uh, connecting to all of your data, no matter where it's at, uh, we really help you break down those data silos that um, Mike was talking about earlier uh, that often exist in most modern data ecosystems. So you no longer have to worry about putting all your data into one source or into one cloud and making that commitment for years and years on end, and then potentially you know, trying to find ways to um, you know, make amends or, or whatever throughout the, that, that year, couple year cycle while you start to uncover more needs in, in your actual uh, environment. So by breaking down those data silos, we can actually give you that flexibility to deploy your data where it makes the most sense or move it to a new location uh, as your data ecosystem evolves and as more technologies come out and you're no longer really, uh, you know, having to be locked into a specific vendor anywhere. Now what Starburst data is, is the commercial offering or distribution of that open source project Trino. So to really help bring uh, additional value to our enterprise customers, we try to provide quite a wealth of, of features that you wouldn't get in the open source community. Uh, we provide more connectors than what you would find uh, through the Trino community. So we provide all the same connectors that they do, plus some additional ones that are specific to us. We also have made some improvements to some of those open source connectors to help improve performance, as well as uh, some security for some of those uh, specific connectors. On the performance front, we want to make sure that as we start to engage with larger and larger enterprises around the world that we can keep up with our performance needs. So we've also started to roll out some performance enhancing features like uh, data caching for frequently accessed data. So if there's common data sources that you're going against or common tables, uh, we can actually help speed up access to those through subsequent calls. And we really wouldn't, wouldn't be able to consider ourselves an enterprise offering if we also didn't have a much higher security posture. So uh, we're gonna make sure that we can integrate with any um, authentication systems that you currently have in place. So LDAP, Active Directory or SSO. Uh, and then we're also going to, uh, through our native integrations with partners like uh, Privacera or Amuta, ensure that users are only able to access the data that they're supposed to see and that you can actually implement any governance policies or regulations and compliance constraints that you may have in place uh, within your particular organization. Now, since uh, Trino is a distributed application, that means that you know, you've got to install this on multiple nodes potentially, uh, which you know, depending on your experience can, can be a little bit of a challenge. So we wanna make this easier for our customers to actually get their clusters up and running. So they spend less time on setup and more time uh, getting to the insights that they want. So we do have uh, things in place to help make it easier for you to actually deploy your Starburst clusters and to, to manage them so that they can stay running smoothly as long as you have them up. And of course, we wanna be able to give you the support that you need when you're running these high, uh, you know, high importance kind of production workloads. We wanna make sure that you have someone to call or to email should you run into any issues. So we've got a very strong support team uh, that provides 24 seven uh, support around the globe. And what I find especially uh, intriguing about our, our, our uh, support team is that a lot of them are actually active contributors back to the open source project of Trino. 
To me, what that means as a tech guy is that, you know, these people actually know the product in and out, and they're actually trying to give back to the open source community as well. So uh, they have very intimate knowledge of the product. They can give you timely resolutions to your to, to any issues you run into. And then they're also trying to improve the product itself, even if it's not specific to Starburst. And then finally, while you can get the, uh, you know, the, the, the Trino distribution for free through the open source community, um, we do have these enterprise features available through our, our main offering, Starburst Enterprise Platform, uh, which is a customer managed deployment offering. But we recently just, uh, as of late last year, rolled out our SaaS offering called Galaxy, which allows you to spin up clusters quickly and easily through your, your cloud of choice, connect your data sources, and start querying your data uh, within a matter of minutes. So here's a look at the actual challenges uh, you know, that, the, that a lot of our customers and prospects are facing and that, that we're really trying to help solve for them. I'm sure you've all seen kind of this picture on the right and how it's evolved over the last 20, 30 years where we no longer have just one source system or a couple source systems that are all on-prem or all in one location that are easy to access. But instead we're starting to add things in the cloud, uh, on-premise, new types of data sources like the data lakes, NoSQL systems, streaming systems. And ultimately what this leads to is a more complex ecosystem of interflowing and interconnected parts. And then you have to put into place all of those ETL workflows and pipelines and data pipelines that actually connect the data and make sure it's flowing between those different systems. Now, unfortunately, of course, this can lead to much slower time to those valuable insights that you're trying to get to. Not only are you having to stand up these new systems and put into place those pipelines, but you also have to wait for those pipelines to complete. And of course, this can be expensive from both a time and a resource perspective. So more people to spin up those systems, more servers running the, the pipelines and, and, and everything that kind of goes along with all of that, not to mention additional infrastructure costs, because you may be actually creating multiple copies of your data throughout the ecosystem. So I've got some data lake uh, or some data in my data lake on premise, but I need to actually join that with data in the cloud. So maybe I have to push it up into a cloud data warehouse. You now got multiple copies of that data and you're paying for storage in both. And of course, as systems get more complex and we have more moving parts and we have more systems uh, to connect to and more people connecting to those systems, uh, security is gonna increasingly become more, more of a challenge for you, right? You have to lock down access. You have to make sure access is consistent across all these sources, which um, for our poor security folks uh, out there in the world around the call, I, you know, my heart goes out to you. That's definitely a challenge to stay on top of uh, and can really just add to the overall um, complexity of the data flowing through your system. So here at Starburst, what we're trying to do is, is update the mindset of our customers and prospects. So, you know, I've, I'm guilty of this as well, where I've kind of always been under this mindset of this single source of truth, um, which is usually backed by some kind of monolithic data warehouse, whether it's an enterprise data warehouse or maybe something in the cloud. But essentially, we're relying on all of the data to be copied or moved into a single location so that we can connect our client tool, whether it's a, a BI tool visualization or just a SQL editor to that single source to truly get comprehensive analytics across all of their data sets. So for our, our, our customers, we're encouraging them to think about this in a new way. So instead of that single source of truth, why not have just a single point of access or more accurately, a single point of intelligence? So instead of having our, our data consumers, which again could be technical users like your data scientists and data analysts, or maybe more on the business side like your marketing and finance folks, instead of having them are making them wait on those upstream ETL and data pipelines to finish before the data is in one source, 
or in some solutions like Tableau where they could actually establish connections to multiple systems, but that requires maintaining multiple connections through that, that uh, client tool and then relying on the native performance of that tool. Through Starburst, we can actually give them that single point of access. So it really simplifies their life. It allows them to establish one connection point to one essential data source, even though it's just the query engine. And then Starburst will reach out to the underlying sources for them, uh, grab back the data that they need, pull it back into memory, uh, join that data for them, and then return it back to them through that single connection point. So ultimately it's giving them the ability to get to insights quicker because they don't have to wait for those pipelines to complete. They don't have to keep on updating their client tool uh, to, you know, to a new connection point. So maybe as the data is moving to the cloud, they don't have to switch from that data lake connection point to the on-prem, I'm sorry, to the cloud connection point. Instead, they just stay connected to Starburst. And then as the data moves behind the scenes or gets migrated behind the scenes, uh, they can continue to still run the same analytics that they are today. And they don't have to learn any new tools either. Um, we're, we're able to support a connection through ODBC and JDBC. So the goal is to be minimally disruptive to these end consumers so that they can continue, continue to spend their time on gathering insights versus waiting for data and working with data engineers and whatnot to get the data where they need it to be. So uh, a few more kind of data points here, if you will, on why Starburst can actually be that single point of access for uh, for your data consumers within your ecosystem. As I mentioned before, since we are a distributed architecture and we are separate, uh, we separate compute from storage, so we're just the compute layer, this allows you to add additional compute resources, uh, which we can do automatically for you actually, to scale up to the demands of your uh, enterprise workload. So when you're talking about terabytes and petabytes and zettabytes of data or thousands of users hitting the system, uh, since we can scale up as needed, we really allow you to process that data uh, with the performance that you need as your workloads scale up. And since we're not moving the data or copying the data around, we're leaving it where it's at, uh, this allows us to still be one of the fastest query engines out there, especially when we're talking about the data lakes and especially when you're talking about federated queries across multiple sources. Now, just because we're simplifying access doesn't mean that we wanna actually uh, you know, inadvertently expose you to any unnecessary risk. So as I kind of touched on already, we have a wide variety of security features uh, baked into our platform, as well as some um, key partnerships with uh, organizations like Amuta and Privacere and Protegrity to ensure that users who are accessing the system have been uh, authenticated to actually access the system. And then once they're in Starburst itself, that they're only authorized to see the data that they should be seeing. And because we're that single point of access, you can actually define your policies in one location. So you don't have to worry about defining you know, data policies directly in MySQL or directly in Postgres. You can actually define them through Starburst and then they'll be applied uniformly across all the data sources that Starburst is connected to. And ultimately what all this leads to is a, is a reduction in the data complexity and the overall complexity within your data ecosystem. So ETL is not going away, uh, data pipelines are not going away. You know, you still need some degree of transformations happening on your data from the raw kind of source that it's coming in as to the eventual landing place where it's going to be consumed by your, your analytics users. But because we help uh, eliminate the need to unnecessarily move or copy data around and for people to establish multiple connections or, or, or you know, create multiple copies of data, this ultimately, again, will help reduce the overall complexity for the end consumers and the people supporting those consumers. So the data engineers, uh, the data ops folks, they don't have to spend as much time on these pipelines. Uh, they can instead focus on, you know, efforts around actually um, cleaning up the data uh, and then doing other things such as, you know, making it available in the right sources or moving to new source systems that are more cost efficient for them.
So uh, before we get into the demo, I just wanted to uh, you know take a quick look here at one of our, our key use cases. Uh, we have you know several use cases that we can address, and given that we're a distributed query engine with lightning fast performance, the sky's kind of the limit on what we can do for you. But I at least wanted to spend a few moments here just kind of focusing on what we see one of the more popular kind of scenarios uh, out in the field with our customers and prospects. And that is that we are this analytics engine for the distributed data uh, ecosystem that you have. So as I mentioned before, since uh, we sit in between the data consumer and the, all the data sources that are available within the ecosystem, we really are simplifying access for them. But there's also this behind the scenes stuff that's kind of our benefits that are kind of happening to your data engineers and your database administrators. So as a consumer, I can use my, that whatever tool I'm using today, whether it's more on the technical side like Python code or a Jupyter notebook, or maybe I'm more on the business side and I'm using my favorite visualization tool like Tableau or ThoughtSpot, uh, so long as it supports ODBC or JDBC, I should be able to connect to Starburst, which is again, a single connection point for me to maintain. And then Starburst is actually going to securely reach out to each data source for me using those compute, compute resources. It's gonna divide up the work across those different compute resources. Um, they will reach out to the data sources securely for me, pushing down any optimizations that are available to ensure I'm only returning uh, the minimum amount of data required to process the query. So that can really help with egress costs if, uh, depending on where your data is actually stored. And then it ensures that I have uh, you know, the, this uh, data set in memory that's back in the cluster that can be joined quickly in memory for me and then returned back to the end consuming tool, whether again, it's, it's a Tableau or ThoughtSpot or a Jupyter Notebook. Now, since we're able to connect to any system as we've kind of touched on up to this point, uh, that really does allow us to reduce any, uh, some of our data warehousing costs. So uh, you know, think back again to that kind of single source of truth paradigm where we're trying to put everything into a monolithic EDW, which, you know, is a big system. Maybe it's a, an appliance sitting somewhere on premise or it's a cloud data warehouse that can get real expensive because I'm often having to scale up compute and storage together. I can't pay for them independently. Now, since we're uh, Starburst is providing that compute layer for you and you've already paid for the storage for whatever system you're using, uh, we can really help reduce the overall data warehouse cost because you're not spending uh, money storing copies of data in those expensive cloud data warehouses or wheeling in additional appliances into your on-premise data centers to get the performance that you need. Instead, you're just leveraging your current data sources where they're at and adding in an additional layer on top to allow you to actually compute that at the speed you need. And since through Starburst itself, which we'll see in the demo, you can actually run federated queries against multiple data sources. There is again, no need to really move that data around or copy it around. Uh, Starburst will reach out to those individual data sources for you, but then it pulls back the data into memory and joins it there before returning it to the, the calling application. It doesn't actually have to copy the data back to the Starburst server or copy it in between one of these different systems uh, like you'll often see in kind of data virtualization uh, solutions. Now, I didn't cover this in the, in the background info, but I'll, I'll cover it here uh, briefly before we go on to this next point. And that is around um, actually giving you faster access to the data lake. So the Trino project was originally created back at Facebook in 2012 to address some of the performance challenges associated with the Hive execution engine. Uh, Hive was great for you know, being able to access file systems and, and, and non-relational data, but uh, the performance really wasn't, wasn't quite there for ad hoc reporting and analytics. So Trino came about, which helped address those performance challenges associated with that execution engine. And as such, since that's the core of what we do, uh, we continue to be uh, the fastest data lake for, or the fastest query engine for your data lake sources. But that's just one of your, you know, potential data sources down here. So 
Uh, not only can we connect you to your data lake fast and get you lightning fast response times for that, but then we're also connecting to that data to your cloud data warehouse data or your streaming systems to ensure that you're getting fully comprehensive analytics uh, at, the, at the speed you need. And because we can scale out literally um, those additional compute resources, and we can do this automatically through our auto scaling feature. So more users are in the system, maybe it's the beginning of the quarter and you've got extra users on the system trying to run their, their, um, their regular reports. Uh, we can actually automatically add additional compute for you to address that increase in workload. And then once that increase uh, kind of subsides back down to normal levels, we'll uh, gracefully scale down those additional compute resources for you, which really helps you uh, manage your, your, your costs associated with this execution layer. So we're you're only really essentially running the compute that you need at any given point in time. Now, as of recent, we've seen this use case kind of evolve into another use case. They're very much related, but I did want to call, kind of call out some of the additional specifics around this. So since data mesh is inherently a distributed data architecture, it's only natural that um, since Starburst is the analytics engine for your distributed data, it can also be the analytics engine for your distributed data mesh. And the, the additional features that I wanna kind of drill on here right quick to, to talk about how we can, we can help you with your data mesh is, is around um, our connectivity across clusters. So we have a new data connector called Stargate um, for all you sci-fi sci fans out there. Um, it allows you to essentially connect multiple Starburst clusters together so that you can query the data locally where it lives. Um, the processing is done locally and then it can be returned back to wherever the calling application is at. And ultimately what this allows you to do is enable global federated analytics for all your different user populations, no matter where they're at. They can reach data sets that are overseas, um, and then they can actually ensure that the data is processed overseas and all the insights are returned across borders, which will help them address any data residency, sovereignty, or other related governance requirements associated with that. So with that, I've uh, rambled enough for you, for you all, I'm sure. So I, uh, let's go ahead and dive into Starburst itself and take a look at what it's like to use Starburst and how this can simplify uh, data access for your end consumers. And then we'll also, uh, show consuming data through ThoughtSpot, which is, uh, you know, as we mentioned at the top of the call, is a tight partnership that we have going on that we're especially focused on in, in this year. So first we're gonna take a look at Starburst itself. This is our web-based user interface for Starburst. Uh, this allows you to do things like monitor cluster health, see what's going on within the cluster itself. Um, you can see how many resources are coming up. So if we take a quick look here, uh, at the overview tab, I can actually see the CPU utilization at any point in time, which is helping me uh, see when that, you know, those auto scaling thresholds are kicked into gear. And then I can see any worker nodes, which is the compute resources and how those are scaling up and down over time. I can see the queries flowing through my system. I can even see a full uh, query history if I want to. So if I'm trying to troubleshoot and get an even better performance out of my queries, I can drill down into each query. I can see the full explain plan. I can even get some high level reports about the types of queries that are going through the system, who is using them, and um, you know, kind of how they're trying to connect to the system itself. Additionally, I can also write queries directly through this, uh, through the interface here, through our query editor tool. Um, now, most customers, most prospects are going to be connecting through their favorite BI tool or maybe their favorite SQL tool. I'm only showing this so that you can kind of see. Uh, you know, the general flow, I don't want to play favorites to any uh, particular SQL tools out there, uh, but I, you know, I think ours stands on its own pretty well. Um, the first thing you'll notice here is all of these data sources that we have on the left. So I have this one Starburst cluster running in AWS. 
but it's connected to a, quite a variety of data sources here. Now, these are by no means all the connectors that we have. These are just the ones we have spun up in this particular demo environment. But not only am I connecting to some on-premise sources, I'm also connecting to some data lake sources. So this is using our Hive connector, but it's actually backed by an S3, um, S3 account or AWS account. I'm also connecting using that Stargate connector to clusters that I have running in other clouds. Now you don't need this to connect to data sources and other clouds. You could establish a straight connection from this AWS cluster to uh, Synapse or to BigQuery. But for the sake of uh, demonstrating uh, the, the Stargate connector, we've actually got uh, Starburst clusters running in Azure as well as GCP. And then we've connected to them and the data sources available through them using uh, that Stargate connector. So even though I'm issuing my query through this AWS cluster, if I were to hit one of these data sources, uh, that portion of the query would actually be processed by the cluster running in Azure. So imagine this uh, when it comes to the, the scenario around data sovereignty or trying to process data locally. If I have a cluster here in the US, but I've got some data I'm trying to retrieve from overseas and it needs to be processed locally, I can actually ensure that the query, the portion of the query that hits the data overseas is actually being processed by the cluster that's over there locally. Uh, so here we have just a few simple queries on the right. Um, this is, I, I put these in here just to kind of simulate what you're probably already used to seeing where in this scenario, you know, I've got some customer data that's stored uh, in a Postgres instance running in RDS and uh, in, in AWS. I've got some profile information that's stored in an on-premise MySQL database. And then maybe I've got some additional account information that's uh, stored in a data lake, which is backed by S3. Now with that single source of truth mentality, I would have to run simple extract queries or put in some pipelines in place to pull all the data out of these individual sources and then maybe push them into one of them, depending on what my cost and performance needs are. So for example, I could try to extract the data from Postgres using a simple query and, and from MySQL, and then trying to force that back into S3. <clears throat> now, you know, depending on how I'm trying to query the data from S3, that could be slow. Uh, fortunately, it's fairly cheap stored, but imagine that instead I was trying to put this in a cloud data warehouse, and I've got historical data in the lake that I'm trying to put up there, that can definitely get pretty expensive. Now, fortunately with Starburst, I don't have to worry about moving that data or copying around or putting those pipelines in place. Instead, I can write a single query like we see here that will actually federate uh, out to each individual data source, pull back the data I need, and then combine it into a single result set for me. Now, for you SQL writers out there, this uh, should be a fairly easy transition for you. You know, this is an anti-SQL standard that Starburst is built on, so you should be able to use the current queries that you're using uh, in Starburst. Uh, and all it really requires is to add the additional data source um, in front of your schema and table. So it's a very small change to your SQL. Uh, everything else stays the same, so it should be pretty easy to port over your queries. And I can now run this query um, against Starburst. So again, I'm connecting to my Starburst cluster, but Starburst itself is reaching out to Postgres, reaching out to MySQL, reaching out to the S3 buckets, pulling back the data I need, joining it in memory, and then returning it to me as a single result set. Now for SQL, SQL writers, this uh, you know, again is, is should be a pretty easy transition for them, but maybe you have some non-SQL writers uh, you know, that you're working with and they're not as familiar with uh, that, that syntax or anything like that. They just want a single thing that they can consume their data through. And that's where we uh, introduce semantic views. They're essentially just database views that you're creating on top of your federated queries. But what they allow you to do is provide a more simplified access point for your, your customer. So Starburst itself is still that single access point. But when they're then trying to query Starburst through maybe a consumption tool like ThoughtSpot or Power BI or Tableau, 
they no longer have to worry about um, you know, generating this type of SQL. Instead, they can just hit the semantic view as if though it was a single table of all this combined data. So if I run this simple select statement against this semantic view that I've already created, I get back the same combined result set that I uh, obtained with this uh, federated query above. So what this looks like in a, a client tool, I'm using ThoughtSpot here because as uh, we mentioned at the top of the call, you know, we have a strong partnership with them um, and we're growing that week by week. And this is a, especially a high priority focus for us this year. As you can see, we're one of the few native connectors here in, in ThoughtSpot. So we're honored to be on this list. But where the real power comes is that, you know, these are all strong systems on their own, mainly cloud data warehouses. So what about your on-premise data sources? What about your data lakes? What about your streaming systems? Well, Starburst allows you to connect to all of those. So even though from the context of ThoughtSpot, who supports single connections uh, for your, your visualizations, even though it shows up as a single connection in ThoughtSpot, behind the scenes, we're actually opening you up to the 40 plus connectors that we have. So your on-premise data sources, your streaming sources, your NoSQL sources, uh, whether on-prem or in the cloud, <clears throat> we're allowing you to connect to all those without breaking the single connection point paradigm that ThoughtSpot uh, uses. Connecting to ThoughtSpot is, is, or I'm sorry, connecting to Starburst is uh, the same as it would be to any other data source in most of your common tools like ThoughtSpot, Power BI, and Tableau. Uh, you simply provide the, the JDBC URL or ODBC URL, the connection point here basically, uh, the, the, the port number that you're connecting on and any username or password information. I've already set up this connection so I don't have to uh, re-authenticate. But once you're connected to that, um, you'll actually be able to pull in and see all of the data sources that your Starburst cluster is connected to through your BI tool. Now this initial grab, depending on the system and depending on the BI tool you're using can take a little bit of time, but once you've connected once and established that connection, then the, the BI tool is essentially aware of all of the different um, data assets that are available to you through that Starburst single point of uh, access. We'll give this just a second here. Um, <clears throat> I had reloaded this before, but uh, this is actually a shared partner demo environment that we have with ThoughtSpot, so I think there might be other people on the system. So while we're waiting for that, actually, I, I wanna uh, show you and highlight another feature here since we were talking about data mesh a little bit uh, prior uh, to see how we're taking this semantic view um, aspect of things, a simplified access um, concept and taking it a step further in the context of the data mesh. So we're starting to roll out features uh, around this notion of data products. So if you've uh, you know, read the book about data mesh or if you attended any lectures or, or webinars, you're starting to become familiar with this concept of the various domains <clears throat> within an organization starting to create their own data assets, their own curated data sets that can then be consumed by the rest of the organization. So providing true democratization of data, making it available to anyone in the ecosystem, but having the individual domain experts with that, uh, you know, that deep knowledge about the interrelationships between the data, have them actually create those data sets so that others in the organization don't have to worry about, uh, you know, understanding and figuring out that logic. And to that end, Starburst has started to roll out features that support this. So we allow you to define domains here within the UI, which of course, uh, you know, is more of just a logical grouping of, of the eventual products that you'll create. Uh, and this kind of just gives you some high level information about who the domain uh, owner is or what department it is. <clears throat> and then you can basically uh, dictate where you want that information to be stored uh, through, through Starburst. And then once you've created your domains, you can go in and actually create your data products. So in this demo environment, I just have a few simple uh, data products uh, to, to, to demonstrate. We won't get into the full details of actually creating the data product live uh, since they've already been created here, but I at least wanted to show you what the experience is like. So 
here we have this customer's data product that came out of the customer's domain. Uh, it gives us, you know, we can provide some high level information to the rest of the users who want to subscribe to this particular data product about what the, the data set is for. And then they can get a quick preview into the actual attributes that are available through that data set. So the beauty here is, again, that those domain experts with all that knowledge have baked that into the logic that they created this product from. So if I'm, you know, elsewhere in the ecosystem, maybe I'm in marketing and I don't have as much, uh, you know, as intimate knowledge of the inner workings of the customer data, I don't have to worry about that as much. I can just go and trust that the customer domain has that knowledge and has created this product accordingly. So now I can access this tool or this, this product through whatever consumption tool I want. So if we go back into the query editor here, we can actually see this data product shows up as a separate schema. And then we have the specific customer domain and then any products that they've created will exist here. So it's, a, it's essentially that semantic view just like before, but it's easier to find. And then I can actually manage it through the UI here as well. And I can make it available for others to actually, uh, I can publish it and make it available for others to subscribe to and provide some additional context so that they're not just scrolling through the list of semantic views across the catalog and wondering what they mean because they may have cryptic names, but instead it's a more human readable way to disseminate the information around um, the actual data product itself and what's contained in it. Uh, so now back here in ThoughtSpot, uh, you know, I've established my connection. I can, you know, initially we see kind of all the different data sources, uh, subset rather, that I've kind of filtered on here uh, that's available to me through the Starburst cluster I'm connected to. And then if we kind of go into what I actually selected to build out the eventual dashboards, we'll see, we see that I've got this S3 bucket or this, yeah, this S3 bucket, which I'm using the Hive connector to connect to. I've got all the different tables from that federated query available here, the same as for MySQL and Postgres. Now, when I'm selecting these data sources, and I'll show this in a second, I could go against directly that semantic view, or I could even go against that data product. It really depends on what um, what type of user I am. So if I understand the joins, I can actually go with the approach that I have here where I pull the, in each individual data source and then do the joins through ThoughtSpot. Or if I'm more on the business side and I'm not really familiar with the, the, the join aspects, then I can just connect directly to that data product or semantic view. So now when I go into my, my data assets within uh, my, my visualization tool here, I've actually already got a worksheet uh, created uh, against this data set. For those of you who aren't familiar with ThoughtSpot, Worksheets essentially allow you to provide some customizations on top of the data set so you can control and dictate kind of how it's going to perform within the UI. And I don't mean performance necessarily from an underlying query perspective, but more so from when you're building visualizations using keywords and search, uh, and then you want the, the certain uh, you know, columns to perform in a certain way, like whether they're additive by um, sum or average, you can kind of adjust those settings here through, through the worksheet itself. And as I mentioned, you can, like in ThoughtSpot, for example, or in Tableau, you can define the joins through the user interface itself. Um, if you're familiar with those joins, you know, fortunately in ThoughtSpot, it's a very simple thing to do. And this will actually downstream help lend itself to auto-suggesting certain aspects. So like when you're typing in keywords, it may uh, suggest things based off the relationships you've defined here. On other solutions like Tableau, uh, you can join data through the UI there, but there are some performance limitations uh, in doing so. And so in that case, we would actually recommend you rely more on Starburst um, to actually do the, the joins for you so that I can do so more performantly. Now in ThoughtSpot, even though I've defined the joins here, I want to be clear that it's still just generating the SQL using these joins, but the SQL gets passed as is to Starburst, which still does all the heavy lifting. So whether you define the joins here, or whether you define them through Starburst, Starburst is still going to do all the heavy lifting and the joining of the data for you.
Now, when I go back to my actual uh, visualizations here, I've pre-built some visualizations that show us uh, this combined data set. So um, here I've got a nice live board that's got a, quite a few different answers pinned in here. If I drill, in my, uh, drill into my favorite one here, we can actually see just, of course, how easy it is to build a visualization through ThoughtSpot. I've provided just a few keywords here uh, to build this nice um, uh, diagram. But on the left, you'll notice that I've got uh, quite, quite a long list of columns. And these columns, if I actually drill into the source, is, is related to that first bank worksheet that we built, which is actually, again, joining data from S3, MySQL, and Postgres. I could, of course, switch this over to one of those semantic views that I created, or even that data product that I created. Again, it really depends on the type of user I am. I am. If I'm not really familiar with the joins and the relationships, I might rely on something like uh, the data product or the actual semantic view. But if I am more SQL savvy, then I could build my own worksheet uh, to, to define those joins myself. And um, then finally, you know, just to kind of show you that, that the handoffs are the trade-offs between, or I'm sorry, the handoffs between a BI tool like this and, and Starburst. If I drill down on the actual query SQL here, uh, I will see that it's actually generating this very long and nice, uh, nice query for me. That, that's quite an impressive query and that's something I would want to write myself, but fortunately ThoughtSpot's doing that for us. And because of our tight integration with ThoughtSpot, it's actually taking, it's actually able to generate the proper SQL for us. So it's getting that additional dot notation of the data source in front of the schema and table for us. So that when this query is received by Starburst, we're gonna receive it as is, process it, but we're gonna be able to take advantage of all the optimizations that are baked into it so that we can give you the best results and response times for your queries. Uh, so that's all I really had to show on the demo side. I did want to kind of leave you with a, a few uh, last minute thoughts here before we open up for, for Q&A. Um, we, of course, the Galaxy, the SaaS offering that I mentioned, we do have a free trial going on right now uh, that's available to you if you'd like to give it a spin. Uh, you just go to starburst.io, uh, starburst our website, and you should be able to easily find the uh, start free trial here. Get, get, get some uh, a nice chunk of credits there for you to be able to deploy Galaxy and AWS uh, Azure GCP and uh, you know, start actually running some queries of your own and kind of see how it works. And then we also have, thanks to the, our friends at Great Data Minds, we have a hands-on workshop that we're planning for Denver uh, or for, for, for May um, that will be in Denver and virtual as well. I'll be there to help uh, actually get some more hands-on experience with Starburst. Uh, and so we'd love to see you there either via computer or in person. Dan, that was awesome. Thank you, sir. Um, Absolutely. We do have a couple of questions. If hey, Mike. May. Hey, Mike. Yeah. Mike, Mike, Mike. What, what? Um, I heard you just mention Ben, the hands-on in Denver, that will also be virtual. So yeah. we're going to do both. So if anyone online here wants to be part of that, um, you can go to, whoop, there's a slide, but you can go to our website and register. Um, Great Data Minds events. So it will be virtual too. Did you say that, Ben? I think, yeah, you but very quickly and mumbled. So I think, thank okay. you for saying <laughs> it again. <laughs> I appreciate it. My favorite part about that workshop is it's going to be concluded with a rooftop patio happy hour. And we're talking about, oh, yes. <laughs> I forgot about the most Denver. important part. It's going to be that gorgeous. I am important. so excited to get out there. So if you can. Thanks, Lindsay, for that. That's where you want to be. <laughs> All right. Got a couple questions for you, Ben. Uh, with okay. Starburst being the data consumption layer, how and where is the T uh, being performed? Or what is the approach envisioned? to do the transformations. So I, I guess I missed the first part of that question. How and where is the what being performed? The key? So, so Starburst is, is going out and you know consuming the data from the, the sources and then mm -hmm. bringing it back to the likes of a ThoughtSpot, you know, the client. Um, yeah. 
the question is where, when, when I have to do transforms, where is that happening? Oh, gotcha. Um, so yeah, the, the, the transforms would also still be happening in memory, essentially, uh, depending on what data sources are involved. I'm trying to find the right diagram here. Um, you know, imagine that this is the Starburst cluster right here running where you've got uh, your, computing, uh, your compute resources happening and they've got connections established to each data source. So if you're writing the data back somewhere, the actual application of like any aggregations or something like that would be done in memory in Starburst itself in the compute layer. And then we would write that back to whatever system you choose to, to, to be the target of that transformation. And the second question, these are both from Raj. Raj, thank you so much for, for your participation and your questions. Um, his next question is, if I am right, the data warehouse still goes through ETL model and just becomes a source of clean data for Starburst. Correct, I mean, yeah, that's, that's actually one use case that I didn't uh, completely touch on here because I, you know, don't know if we have time or not, but that's kind of a, a use case that we often see as well is doesn't always have to be a cloud migration, but a migration, right? So you might start off with the clean data in that data warehouse, um, but now through the power of Starburst, you can actually start to move that data into locations where it makes more sense. Um, I know some people here like to say, leave the data where it is. And I've actually said that today as well, but uh, that assumes that the data is today is in the location it's, it should be and that's optimal for it. With Starburst, I like to think that it actually gives you the optionality to think about where it makes the most sense to put your data and then put the data there and then let Starburst actually uh, query it for you. So for example, why put your all your historical data up into an expensive cloud data warehouse when you can still get pretty good, pretty fast performance against it, but much cheaper storage through the data lake uh, as long as you have Starburst in front of that. So yep. uh, yeah, the, the data warehouse can be a, a clean source for Starburst to consume, but um, you know, at some point you'll probably start to actually move some data out of the data warehouse to save on infrastructure costs. Right. And, and I'll, I'll pile on if I may. Um, enterprise data warehouses typically don't have all the data I need to do my analytics, right? So I'm yeah. constantly, especially if I'm a data scientist, man, I'm, I want to bring all sorts of other stuff in, right? Um, and I don't want to build yet another database, right? I want to, I want to ideate, I want to innovate, and I don't want to be hindered by the fact that I got to spin up, you know, infrastructure, if you will. And, right. and buy another license. Another question, um, and I think Chris may have answered this, but I'm gonna ask it of you, Ben, and we'll see how well Chris did. Uh, <laughs> are semantic views and the SQL interface available in Galaxy? Yeah, so um, built in the Galaxy, Galaxy is actually, uh, let me, even though this is a, a cluster that I'm running again in our AWS, the Galaxy interface uh, actually looks pretty much exactly like this. Um, there's you know some additional spots there where you can actually uh, configure the data sources through the UI, um, but we we've updated the, the Starburst Enterprise UI actually looked differently until a couple of releases ago. We've actually brought this in parity with the Galaxy UI because uh, people liked it a lot more. So you'll see essentially the same thing in Galaxy. The semantic views again are really just database views. So um, you'll be able to run the same SQL syntax through Galaxy or through uh, Starburst Enterprise. Doesn't really matter. Um, I believe the data products are, are going to become available in Galaxy soon. I don't know if those are available right, right yet, but you can still create a semantic view uh, directly through the SQL if you see here uh, in Galaxy. Chris, you did a good job. Well done. Um, is there an integration between Starburst Enterprise or Galaxy and SuperSec? So just if I heard that correctly, is there a difference between Starburst Galaxy Enterprise and SuperSec? 
No, is there an integration between oh. Starburst, um, Starburst and Superset? Yeah, yeah, actually, um, so I, I believe Superset supports JDBC, right? If I recall correctly, when I first joined Starburst, that's actually before we had the uh, query editor baked into the UI here. That's actually what we used in our demos with Superset. Uh, and there's a, a nice floating uh, Red Hat OpenShift demo out there on, on YouTube if you look for it that has Superset in there as well. So yes, we do integrate with that. Awesome. All right. I think we exhausted all the questions. Ben, what a great job, man. Thank you. Thank yeah. you very much. Chris, and thank you well, again you for having us. you got those questions down, Chris. Mm -hmm. Mike was testing you on that one, wasn't he? <laughs> Indeed. Well, thank you for having us. Julie, we're going to yeah. get you answering these questions pretty soon. No, right? that ain't right. going to happen. Ain't no? going to happen. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, awesome. you know, we got a couple more minutes. If there's any other questions, please post them. Um, let's try to stump Ben. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Uh-huh. And if stump not, we're going to be, we're cruising on to the next one at the top of the hour is ThoughtSpot. Yeah. Yep. Oh, perfect timing. Right? It's oh, it, it was no accident. We uh, we wanted to make sure that these two pieces of technology that play so nicely together were highlighted in um, in line. Yep. Yep. And I will say, you know, early on when when we entered into our partnership with with Starburst, I'm a, I'm an old data architect guy. You know, I, I've been doing data warehousing. Ben, uh, I'm not gonna say how long. Oh, but, don't uh, just I, don't. Yeah, you know, I yeah, you know, I went through all you know I. And I subscribed to all the principles of, you know, data warehousing and adapting the cloud data warehouse. So it took me a little bit to, to change my paradigm. Um, <laughs> uh, but after we started using it and supporting use cases, it was like, oh, okay, I'm getting this thing. I'm getting it. Um, right? we, yeah. we did run it in our lab and enabled the uh, a, uh, thought spot proof of value for a client of theirs. Um, it ran fast and it was it was quite affordable. Right? So that's what uh, people here. Yep, yep. So GCP held it, handled it quite well. So, right. Yeah. All right. Thank you, everybody, so much. So we're gonna um, we'll get back on at the top of the hour for ThoughtSpot. See ya. Excellent. Bye, Ben. Thank you. Take right. care, Ben. Thank you again for having me. Bye, Lizzie. Bye, bye. Bye. <laughs>